Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. For another week of the Working Fans Podcast, this is AJ, I'm the former wrestler, we've got Dave the Ultimate Fan here with us, as we do every week, our producer Joe may, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter, that's at FansWorking, Facebook, Working Fans Pod, we've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast, and for any ideas that you might have, that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including anchor.fm, we're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Comedy Cast, and today we got Mr. Nathan Wallace, our first comedian that we've had on, so excited to do this. Nathan, how are you, sir? Good, man. I'm glad we're cherry popping today. We're the first comedian out. Look at him, Nathan Wallace. Who's that? You don't know, but you're going to find out today. Goddamn right we are. <laughs> Who were you a fan of before you got into comedy? Who were some comedians you liked? Oh, man. You know, it's just that before I got into comedy, I actually grew up loving, like, Henry Cho, Gallagher. You know, that's what was on when I was a kid, and I was able to watch. So a cleaner comedian, I always enjoyed that. Mm. Of course, you know, Dave Chappelle, once I got in, we got a little bit older. But now that I'm doing comedy, man, I realize there's so many good comedians out there. You know, the, the ones that we see on TV, is, are just it's just a sprinkle of what's running around out there actually doing the stages around the country. So back then, it would definitely be Gallagher, Henry Cho, and Dave Chappelle. But now I have so many comedians. I, I just love Patrick Garrity. People may never heard of this guy, but he's one of the funniest people I've ever met. So you start to really develop... Uh almost a different appreciation for the art of comedy as you become a comedian. You do. You realize you realize first that comedy is very opinionated. So every single person likes something different. But you also realize that there's so many of us out there running around and doing this comedy thing. And some of them are funnier than anyone you've ever seen on television. But they just don't have that spark, that one thing that television promoters like. So they just never really make it, you know? Isn't it, uh, I mean... Don't... Like my experience too, just between working and talking to different people in different fields, I'm wondering the same thing with comedy. Is it a lot about timing too? Like, you know, like sometimes it's just the right time and sometimes you just never get your chance? Yeah. I mean, my mom always said growing up, she said, you gotta, every door that opens, walk through it, you know? She goes, if you let the door shut, it may never happen again. And I think that's all that happens to a lot of these guys is they just don't step through the door when it's necessary. I know one comic, he had the ability to be on television, he was gonna have his own show and just kind of messed it up. You know, just through his own personal demons, which most comedians are wrestling with anyway, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. You know, actually, one thing I wanted to ask you is your comedy set. Is it in a, like, I don't even know if this is the case for a lot of comedians or some, or maybe you can just speak for yourself, but is it an extension of, like, your own, you know, sense of humor out of, 
you know, if you weren't doing stand-up, or is it completely different? Definitely an extension if you're doing it right. Yeah. You know, but that's one thing we call it in comedy. We call it finding your voice. And once you find your voice, who you are and what you actually want to say, now it is an extension of you. Before that, you were just trying to get laughs. You were making up jokes. The great ones come right out with a voice. They already know who they are because they're just a different person. You know, so they when they come out, people have never seen anything like that. Definitely further you go, the more you start telling stories about yourself and opening up to the people. And the more you do that, that's interesting I know I said off air I was telling you how we normally do like pro wrestling interviews and stuff and one of the things we found out was some of the best wrestling characters nine times out of ten were closer to what the person actually was exactly and, that, and that's what you know all, all, all my best jokes I can't speak to everyone but I know all my best jokes are, are real truths of me with exaggerations you know so you, you take the story it's a funny story it's already funny and then you dial it up with some silliness, you know, metaphors, and, and maybe, you know, change the ending to be a little more fantastical. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to go with <laughs> it. it. Now. But that's, that's definitely how it works. It's a, it's a, I like The Rock. I see what you're saying. Because The Rock, although he was all these other things before he became The Rock, when he finally became himself as The Rock, his, his Hawaiian heritage and all these things, that's when he really got famous. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. The guy just had natural charisma, too. So that was something yeah. that, right. We're talking about wrestling, man. One time, one of the best moments of my life, dude. I'm driving through the middle of nowhere, and there's this church. It was called My Father's House or something. And I, see, I look at the sign on the church, and it says, Ted DiBiase today. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I pulled into the church. I went in there, and behind the church, Ted DiBiase and Eddie Guerrero's father you listen to other comedians and stuff has anything ever come up where you hear somebody who has a similar set to you and you have to like maybe tweak it and change some things it just really depends i mean there's that whole thing out there there's only i think they say there's only eight i think it's eight or ten jokes that actually exist and everything is a variance of that joke mm. so so yeah you, you run into it quite often now if it's something like for myself being from florida i have a lot of florida driven jokes and i have like a joke about a snook which is a very popular fish here in Florida. Hmm. And I heard somebody else doing the joke, and there was no way that that was their joke. And they had heard my joke a million times. <laughs> you know, so they had made a very hearing <laughs> joke. And I had, you know, that kind of stuff you have to shut down. Right. You know, so now if it's like, here's a classic one oh, they look at somebody in the front row, everybody does this, and they go, oh, your balls are hanging out of your shorts. You know, <laughs> this is, everybody does this. You can't get mad at that. You know, it's technically a crowd work take. So it's definitely a, a line you have to walk. And I was just actually talking to my wife about this. If you're working on a joke and it's really good, but you think it might be too easy, you should really research it. Because there's a good chance that the same joke has been said. You know, but sometimes those little easy lines, they, it's, it's originally you and you get lucky, you know? <laughs> <laughs> now, is there any subject that you wouldn't joke about? Well, for me, I... I, I I do a lot of clean. I don't. I work like PG thirteen at the max. I don't say the F word or anything. Okay. So there is definitely limits for myself. 
you look at all the people who are really popular, most of them are pretty clean comics. And then the real dirty ones have carved out a niche for themselves. You know, your Jessel Nicks, your Amy Schumer's, a huge niche. I mean, a huge niche, right? But, uh, yeah, so there is some off the limits. Like, I just wrote a, I wrote a joke. It's the simplest little joke. It's, uh, I seen a sign the other day. It said, Jesus saves. And I was like, yeah, duh, he was Jewish. So... <laughs> I love this joke, and it goes on to talk about Jesus saving. He, you know, he had, he was, uh, he wore the same sandals, same robe. Dude never got a haircut. You know, <laughs> and it goes on through all these things. But at the same time, like sometimes I feel a little bad for telling it, only because it could offend a Jewish person, it could offend a Christian person, and that's not what I'm there to do. Right. I'm there to have everybody have a good time. You know, I don't want to offend anyone. I just want to have a good time. Now, some comics they love to offend. I mean, that's their whole gig. You know, so they, they would have no problem telling the joke. And it's a really light joke, you know. It's, nothing, it's like, you know, he fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. That's bargain shopping, if you ask me. <laughs> right. You know? No. They're like, you know, they're like, they're like, can we get wine with this bread and fish? He's like, do I look like I'm made of frankincense and men? He asked me, so like, I, w- I was always thought that it was more challenging to, you know, keep your act clean. But I guess I'm kind of wondering... Is it that's not necessarily more challenging, but it's just different, right? There's a different set of problems. Like, so if you're a filthy comedian, you can excel, but your act better be pretty good. But if you're a clean comedian, you got to operate in a certain set of guidelines. Yeah, you're, you're you know you're in premises. You're, you're definitely in like a, a set of guidelines. They like the the dirty comedians. If you, you're 100 right with that, because the dirty comedians, you have to be really good because the majority of the field is a dirty comedian. Mm. I mean, everyone, especially the first couple of years, everyone's telling dick jokes. You know, right. it's dick, even the women. It's not It's not just men out there telling dick jokes. It's women. It's, if you want to be, I mean, they have to be provocative and amazing jokes. That's why Desilinic does so well. I mean, they're all just dirty, but it's, you know, you got your Joe Mackey's. Joe Mackey, hilarious. He's not dirty. He's just dark. Mm. You know, very dark. I mean, you have to be right on the money. And even with cleans, there's multi-levels of it. You know, I, I found out just recently, I'm not church clean yet, you know, right. <laughs> and I had to find out in the fires of church, you know, <laughs> it was, they were not real super happy, That's it. they weren't, you know, I wasn't dirty, I didn't say any bad words, right. it's just the subject matter was a little bit much, mm. you know, so like, uh, just one line, I go, I go, I know she's on her fifth illegitimate child. You would have thought that I, like, turned the cross upside down in that place. (laughs) (laughs) Brutal. Oh, man, that's so interesting. Because, I mean, the climate today obviously just seems like a more sensitive climate, too. So I I wonder what, you know, comedians, it's like, okay, because there are areas you try to avoid. But you're a cleaner comedian, but still, are there areas where you're like, "Uh, I don't know if I want to do that gig? Yeah, like I said, I just don't want to offend anybody. So if it's like... I don't know. It's, I really just play it by my moral standards, basically. And I think every comedian is doing the same exact thing. Some people will morally not want to tell a joke. You know, I have a, a story that's a true story. Okay. And all my comedian friends tell me that I should tell it as a joke. Because I was after a show, and this mentally challenged girl, she was like, you could tell she lived on her own and everything, but she was still mentally challenged. And she comes up to me, and she was like, you married? And I was like, I 
I don't think it was cute, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm married. Sorry. She goes, you give me so much hope. <laughs> and I won't tell it on stage because of the voice. You know what I'm saying? But, dude, it was the sickest burn I've ever had in my – either it was a sick-ass burn or she thought I had Down syndrome. Right. It was one of the two. Which, either <laughs> way, it's funny, though. It's funny. It's hilarious. Yeah. And my friends all tell me I should do it. And I'm like, yeah, because it's a true story, you know? And, and, but I'm like, eh. I don't, you know, there's going to be that one person in the crowd, but when you do that voice, immediately they're not listening to the joke anymore anyway. You're right. You know what I'm saying? There's probably going to be multiple people. So. You're right, but God, it is a great story. Like, I, I'm, I'm oh, going to tell that funny. to some friends. I'm going to give you credit, but I'm telling you, that's an awesome story. <laughs> <laughs> when, when she said it, you should have seen it. I, I think it was a bird. I think she was burning me, which I mean, just, it was the best self-deprecating bird I've ever seen in my life. Yeah! God bless I mean, her for being mentally materials. challenged and still having, like, the, you know, like, you know what? I can make fun of myself. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, that same night I had, like, before that, I had a 67-year-old. It was that same night. 67-year-old woman grabs my knee and she goes, I need a real man. She had, like, <laughs> something about Mary titties that went down to her belly button, bro. <laughs> I go, okay, that's nice for you. And then, like, 10 minutes later, she goes, will you walk me to my house? Uh, we we were doing shows in a leasing office of apartment complexes, so we're already in a shit show, you know. And I go, I go, no, I can't do that. And she gets up and walks right outside. And there's a big pane window, and she just face plants into the ground. Oh. And, and I was like, oh shit, she just needed someone to help her do it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my god, I'm a dick. Yeah. And, uh, Girl hit me with the, you make me sad. So that was a rough night for me. I, yeah. I, was, I went home, but I was like, I love you, honey. Thank you for being with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to ask, I, you might not have, but have you done any, like, the, I think this has got to be really hard if you are, the virtual comedy, where there's, like, no audience to respond to? I did that right at the very beginning. Oh, okay. Right, right when the COVID came out, I did it, I think, two or three times. And for me, man... You know, I was a plumber for 14 years when I started doing this. And I, when I started doing it, it was the final release. Like, I had been so depressed. And I always knew, you know, uh, plumbing wasn't for me. I didn't know it was comedy was the thing. So I get into the comedy. And uh, so it wasn't giving me those serotonins I need. You know, it's a drug addiction, the comedy, for sure. Mm. You get off stage, you're hyped, man. It's, a, it's like you just did a bunch of cocaine or something. The serotonins have released for half an hour. And the... Virtual just wasn't doing it for me. So I took that time and I wrote some new material. And I actually came out of it with about another 15 minutes by the time we opened. Here in Florida, we opened up in May. So we've been doing comedy since May. Wow. Yeah, I can't. Chicken wings over there? You got chicken wings? What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I just hear, this is delicious. Hey, so what are you doing for comedy, buddy? Okay, I'm going to get back in this. This is, honey, is this Chipotle? I love it. It's probably a little bit of maybe some uh, background noise. I don't know. It's not me. I'm not eating. So. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. It sounded like you were licking your fingers. Like, mm, mm. <laughs> you know what I like? I like talking to comedians and eating hot wings. It's you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not above that, but that definitely was not the case. So. That's why I had to think. Like, am I eating? No, I'm not. All right. I don't think you just think if you're eating. Am I eating? Yeah. Am I eating? <laughs> it's so right on. Like, I would totally do that. Um, yeah, so that's a, okay. One other thing I want to ask you. Okay, right. So yeah, you're not getting the high, obviously, with no crowd there. So now the opposite of that. What is it like? All comedians do this, obviously. What about when you bomb? Like, is it just 
you know, just super, how do you, you know, how do you deal with that? Like when you just, you know, at first, especially, and I had a, the very first, so a feature set is the middle set. It goes usually host feature headliner, right? So I get my first feature and I'm super excited about it. It was during hurricane Irma. I go out and I, it's at this bonkers locale. I'm super excited. I get up there. The guy brings me up as David Williams. First of all, <laughs> everybody in the audience, my name is Nathan Wallace, people out there, <laughs> brings me up as David Williams. It was supposed to be a clean set. He curses and does weed jokes for 15 minutes in front of me. So he brings up his Dave, David Williams. I get up there. Everybody in the crowd is only there because the comedy club has electric. There was people sitting there in their pajamas. Wow. And I go there and I eat it so hard, dude. <laughs> I eat it so hard. That day, I cried from Ocala to Fort Myers. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was devastating, bro. I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to be able to do this. So, you know, that's what I did at the beginning when I was bombing. But now I just take it on the chin and go, I'll give them tomorrow, you know. Because wow. <laughs> it does happen. Sometimes it's not your fault, man. Here's a good example. It's not your fault. The first time my mom came and seen me, she sits front row, right? And she just stares through me my whole set. I mean, I don't think she laughed maybe twice <laughs> for 30 minutes. Every, I'm killing. I'm doing great. The Thanks whole room's loving support, it. My mom. Mom's staring. <laughs> exactly. So I let it go. I don't say anything that night. I wait probably about a month or two. And I confront her. I say, Mom, you know, you really hurt my feelings. You came out and just stared and you didn't laugh. She goes, honey, I thought you were funny, but I just had to poop so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you got a lot of support here. <laughs> Your mom wants to poop. <laughs> so we challenge people. Oh, man. Hey, you know what? In the end, it was the most amazing thing. She, if you think about it, the most amazing thing she could have done for me. Right. I mean, she sat through 30 minutes of my show while having to badly take so much mm. of a shit she could laugh in fear of shitting herself. Wow. Yeah, you put it like that. You're right. That's dedication. That's, That's a, a mother's mom. love. <laughs> That's a good mom. She's like, I'm not going to. I'm going to hold this deuce till the end. I'm going to see all my boys. <laughs> <laughs> One other thing I wanted to ask you, actually, I almost forgot about this. I heard this recently. That's why. Uh, I heard that comedy store managers have a reputation for being difficult. You don't have to name names, but have you run into that? At the comedy store? Uh, just general, like, comedy places. I, forget, I was listening to uh, this comedian. He was listing off uh, places he had been. Like, they were just talking about different towns. And he could, like, name a town he had been in. And he was like, oh, yeah, that guy's a douchebag. That guy's a douchebag. And he's like, oh, yeah, sometimes these comedy stores, the people that manage them can be really a pain in the ass. Yeah. You know, they, they can. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, the one thing is they really don't care about you. You know, they if you have a bunch of credits, they're going to be gold to you, buddy. But if you're just another guy trying to move up in the ranks and do your thing, they can, you know, they're... They, they look at it as you're a dime a dozen. Mm. It doesn't matter how smart you are. They could get someone else the next day. Honestly, a lot of great laughing comedy cafe in Fort Myers. That dude, Jamie Morgan, he's a 20-year road comic. Mm. So he treats us very well. You know, when you get these guys who bought a comedy club to make money, usually they're not the greatest. If you get the comedy club bookers, or, you know, comedian bookers, that, that has a double-edged sword. Sometimes you get a comedian booker who bought the club because they wanted to do comedy but they weren't very good at comedy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, so then, then they get better, and it turns into now it's a power trip for them. To, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just like any job, man. It's person to person. Some managers suck, and those are the ones that don't 
Well, this is very enlightening, my man. You definitely have, uh, I think some of your personal stories might be funnier. <laughs> I haven't heard your bit, but I mean, some of your personal <laughs> stories are fucking great, man. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, the bits are, my, my whole set is personal stories, pretty much. Just, mm. it gets, you know, it gets, some of the stories I don't tell just because I'm not there in my, you know, I'm not there yet. I, I can't release those things about myself. There's so many more that mm. are. You know, I wouldn't tell you, but man, is it funny stuff that happens, dude. It's super funny. Interesting. So part of like, yeah, I guess being a great comedian too is like how much you can tap into that and, you know, like. Well, that's what, that's what really worked for me. Like I said, I was a plumber for 14 years and uh, I had a lot of stories. I'd already had a wife, had a house, I lived a life. You know, a lot of these guys, they come out 18 years and they start to be in comedy. They have nothing to talk about because they haven't done anything yet. You know, so right. I had lived an entire life that I had stories for days about, you know, right. because I didn't, I didn't just sit around at the house. I, you know, they had, you know, people used to say, they'd be like, Oh, we're going out with the Wallaces tonight. It's going to get crazy. You know, something <laughs> always happens. And we always have a blast. You know, I, I like, I'm, I'm a, when I take that Myers Briggs test or whatever, I'm a 98% extrovert, you know? Wow, that's... So, <laughs> so we're going to have a good time, man. You know? Well, is there anything that you want to promote you got coming up? Social media? Hit it. Uh, yeah, when's this going to drop? This is, let's see, uh, Tuesday. I'll be, uh, I'll be at West Palm Improv opening up for Brian Regan on January oh. 24th. Yeah, so that, that's going to be really fun. Come check it out. It's like a, that place holds 600 people, man. It's like, uh, I think they're putting in like 350 because of social distancing. But it's a great show. And, you know, everybody loves Regan, man. Oh, he's great. Yeah, actually, he's, uh, he's someone I have seen live. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a blast. Yeah, oh, yeah. Super excited about it. It's a crazy thing because I have to open for 15 and then close for 15. Mm. So basically, they, they get to see Regan and they got to watch me for 15 more minutes. That's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is like they brought the Caesar salad with the check. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, what the? I don't want this salad. They're making me eat it. I don't like this. Well. Um, but yeah, and then Brett Ernst, I'll be at Vasani's comedy theater in port charlotte with brett ernst in march just check me out nathan wallace on facebook and nathan stands up on instagram i post all my shows on there i got little videos from my shows and stuff like that definitely check it out it's a fun time and thanks for interviewing me there dave yeah no problem nathan thank you so much for being on the working fans comedy cast all right so that wraps us up for this week thank you again for listening to the working fans podcast so as always you can find us on twitter at fans working our our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then, as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 